You are listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a show covering the hometown Milwaukee Brewers as we analyze the roster, report on the latest rumors, and discuss their quest to bring the World Series trophy to Milwaukee for the first time. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Goh. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I am your host, Peter, alongside David, here recording in person. Excited to go through this one. We're entering the All-Star weekend. Uh, Of course, we've already had a couple events recording this on Sunday night as the MLB draft is going on. Brewer is actually making their first selection. I'm sure all of you are well aware of their selection. But the Brewers, I think, David, I would say a surprise pick um, by the Brewers, not somebody that was necessarily... On the, on the radar for the Brewers. Eric Brown Jr., a shortstop from Coastal Carolina. Very interesting batting stance. Honestly, reminds me a little bit of my uh, a crazy swing that I had for a time in my baseball career. Uh, but it seems like kind of a toolsy shortstop who's a good prospect all around the board. I know we don't know a whole lot about him, but what were your initial thoughts on the Brewers selecting Brown and a shortstop in their first-round pick? It was kind of characteristic of the Brewers to take an up-the-middle position player He's someone that doesn't have any outstanding tools, but he does limit the strikeouts, which is one of the big things that you look for in a prospect, in a draft prospect, someone that's that far away from the majors. It wasn't necessarily someone that was really exciting, but it was someone that overall I think could pay off in the long run. Hopefully could be an everyday player up the middle. Got a chance to stick at shortstop, and the Brewers don't have a huge track record of developing good top end position player so hopefully brown can be one of the one of the guys that's more of the exception to the that rule yeah and deciding to go with a college guy hopefully making an impact uh sooner with the brewers so we'll see what success he has brewers have two remaining picks here tonight probably won't occur while we're recording but uh certainly we can cover that next week on the podcast and certainly i'm sure all of you will hear of the selections as they come out But speaking of All-Star Game Weekend, of course, the Brewers will be represented with Corbin Burns and Josh Hader and a third player in Devin Williams. Uh, That announcement coming uh, today here, Sunday the 17th. So Devin Williams joining Corbin Burns and Josh Hader on the roster. Burns has been announced that he will not uh, be pitching in the game, but we likely will see Josh Hader. And I'm glad Williams, uh, we both agreed, and I think Brewer fans all around uh, agreed that um, we'll, we'll well worth the selection from Williams. Yeah, Williams, Williams, I think, will pitch. Hater actually won't be attending the game. That's right. So just wanted to to uh, make sure you all knew that. Didn't want to tune in for the, the Josh Hader. Pro- probably a good thing. I think we can all agree that he'll get a little bit of time off um, and hopefully get, get back on track. Yeah, absolutely. Hater getting back on track will be important for the Brewers' success in the second half of the season. And uh, we'll, before we jump into that uh, for our first topic today, our trivia question in lieu of tonight's MLB draft can you name the last Brewers first round pick to accumulate 10 or more wins with the franchise? So again, as always, answer to that trivia question at the end of the podcast. Can you name the last Brewers first round pick to accumulate 10 or more wins with the franchise? So David, let's just get right into it. Josh Hader hasn't been Josh Hader. Uh, five of his last six appearances been pretty rough. Really culminate, excuse me, culminated in that outing against the Giants coming into a game three run lead. Game's pretty much over normally. Of course, giving up three home runs, six runs, and uh, certainly, like I said, not looking much like Josh Hader. So what are your thoughts, and should we be concerned about Josh Hader? I think there's reason for some concern. I think it's important to look back at what we've seen out of Hader so far this month. 
Going into the month, just two weeks ago, he had a 1.05 ERA. Hard to believe that. Now sitting at four and a half uh, runs per nine innings. And he's allowed runs in five of his last six outings, including nine runs in the last third of an inning that he's pitched, which I would have to imagine is like some sort of record. I don't really know, but um, but going from a a 1.82 ERA to four and a half, that's kind of why you don't always trust reliever ERAs, I guess. Yeah, kind of a lesson in that. I, I, not like he hasn't been bad, but well, and also, I mean, Josh Hader, you know, you could look at I don't know, pick a reliever who's got a four and a half ERA right now, who was more valuable to his team, Josh Hader or that guy with a 4.5 ERA. You know, not that it's good to see Hader kind of have these blow up outings, uh, but outside of these blowout outings, he's been dominant. So he has certainly been a valuable piece to the Brewers' bullpen and I believe will continue to be in the second half. But the, like you said, ERA is a little bit deceptive. But there has been a bit of a track record. I would say I'm overall not too worried about Josh Hader. Uh, I know he had some time off on the bereavement list, some complications with um, uh, uh, giving with his wife giving birth to a baby boy for him. So there's certainly the off-the-field distractions as well. I would more so chalk it up to that um, and perhaps a little bit lack of control or feel for a slider. But, David, you were mentioning to me before we turned the, the mics on that it reminded you a lot of Aroldis Chapman's career trajectory. So tell me more about that. Yeah, especially his 2021 season. Chapman was kind of similarly to Hayter, absolute shutdown reliever for the first two months of the year. Really nobody could touch him. Two, two or Really more like three months of the year. And then he he got lit up in the same way that Hayter did. I remember last year he became an all-star uh, and then like I think like a week later his ERA was in the upper fours. So kind of similar to Hayter we saw that and then he developed a splitter that he didn't really use all that often but he was able to throw that pitch enough to throw off hitters. It made his fastball more effective and perhaps that's something that, that Hayter uh, could end up looking towards maybe throwing that change up a little bit more that he has been developing for the last 17 spring trainings. Yeah, he rounded up to the nearest 17th there. But yeah, I, I think that there certainly could be the, the possibility that it is a third pitch that he needs at this point. I don't know if I, I, I buy into the fact that he's been an elite closer with two pitches and now all of a sudden he's a bad reliever with two pitches. Um, so I, I don't know if I think that he necessarily needs to add a third pick, per, excuse me, third pitch would it help? Of course it would, but I don't necessarily know if that's that's the answer or if it's more on the mental side of things. I think that's hard to say, but hopefully the All-Star break is a good time off for him, be able to be with his family, focus on, of course, what's most important in his life, um, and see if he can come back in the second half more refreshed. One question I have for you, David, is we know Josh Hader, his time in Milwaukee may be limited. He's uh, team control through 2023 season, so we've got about a year and a half left of Josh Hader. Uh, barring a trade by the Brewers, which I think is pretty unlikely. Do you think if Josh Hader did have a down second half of the year, maybe even 2023, maybe we're extrapolating a little far right now, but let's say, let's go down that road and he isn't as effective the rest of the year and next year. Certainly would be unfortunate for him, but how would you see that impacting the likelihood of Hader coming back to the Brewers at that point? I actually think it'd be more likely because he'd maybe be in the Brewers price range, want to have a reunion. At the same time, I don't think it's really likely either way that he stays with the Brewers beyond 2023. So I don't really know that it goes either way too far. Yeah, I, I, I think it 
we'll see what exactly happens, but I'm in agreement generally. If the price is lowered, it means the Brewers have a better chance of retaining him. But I think another possible player that the Brewers could trade, I don't think it's likely, but it's a possibility, could be Keston Hira. Uh, we've talked about Keston Hira's, uh, I don't know if I quite call it a resurgence, but he's certainly been playable, um, unlike the last two seasons offensively. Uh, starting to find some things, get into a little bit of a groove. I know we talked about how his BABIP has certainly helped, so he has run into some good luck, but has been barreling the ball up pretty well and could be a potential trade piece that the Brewers could utilize as they look to either bolster their bullpen, add some offensive pieces. Uh, but what do you think the likelihoods of trading Keston Hira and whether the Brewers should go that route? I'd say the likelihood is pretty low, like maybe... 15%, something around there. I think there could be some positives about the Brewers trading him. First of all, he's in AAA right now. The Brewers deciding that they didn't need the uh, production that Keston was giving them, so they decided to option him out. Wait, so you mean the production that was the best bat against right-handed hitters? That is correct. I'm sure, like, he was due for some regression, and I know, like, the, the hardcore analytics people on Brewers Twitter were like, oh, you guys are just ignoring that. Well, not exactly, because, uh, yeah, I, he's not going to sustain his 412 batting average on balls in play. A lot of hits are falling for him that really shouldn't have. Uh, he's getting kind of lucky right now, and he's not really that good at defense. Like, there, there are a lot of flaws in his game. He strikes out a lot, um, but he does hit the ball hard, and he has hit the ball well this year, and he has some good numbers, and the Brewers are kind of lacking in that area as an offense. So... I think it's important to look at the positive he brings for the Brewers and more so than the negatives. You can kind of mix and match him. I'm not saying play him every single day. Yeah, I, I could see the Brewers parting with Keston. I guess it, overall I'd probably be in favor of it if it brought a decent enough return. Um, there's not exactly a, a clear role for him with the Brewers. Of course, defensively, that's been an issue for him really the whole time. And he could benefit also from potentially a change of scenery and, and more regular at-bats. I, I don't understand why the Brewers optioned him. I think he could benefit uh, from that change and just more consistency at the plate. For a guy who has struggled the last two years, um, he could be somebody that I could see potentially having a turnaround couple of seasons. He's not going to have a 900 over 900 OPS, um, but he could still be a solid bat. Uh, and with the everyday DH, I think there's some value in that. Any reasons that you see uh, as far as why you wouldn't want the Brewers to part with Hira? It'd be difficult to see the Brewers deal him somewhere else and then see him really reach that 2019 level or maybe not, I don't know if he'll go quite that level, but sort of more towards that level. Finally hit his stride again. Um, his value is not exactly at its peak. We've seen him at much higher value in terms of the, the return that he could bring back in a trade. So I think that would make it a little bit more difficult to deal him because you're maybe not going to get quite what the upside that he has. But is is that value going to go down if you want to trade him in the offseason? Perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I could potentially see that happening. I, let's let's propose here a, a possible trade with, with no specific player. But let's say the Brewers had the option of trading Keston here for a solid reliever. You know, uh, the Hakeem Soria type. You know, dependable seventh inning guy. Um, perhaps, and let's say he, the Brewers get him for the rest of this year and next year. Is that somebody that you would part with Kev Keston Hira for a guy like that? I would not. I, I, I would if he had more control, maybe, and if he had a, a pretty solid track record. I think you'd have to be a better reliever than that if 
he was going to. Somebody that we saw the Brewers either um, er, using as a, a multi-inning reliever, somebody that, like, kind of the, the vintage Josh Hader role or the even the Drew Pomeranz role when the mm-hmm. when the Brewers traded for him and someone who had a little bit of control, maybe, maybe at least an extra year, or, like, a, a very good setup man. If we're going to trade Keston for a reliever, I thought, I thought you might say Keston for Juan Soto. That I would probably take, um, but Keston does play. I was going to say better defense, but he does not play better defense. No. So I'm trying. I was trying to find something, some reason not to take that trade. Um, he'll be cheaper. Keston yeah, here he will, will be cheaper. He there we be. go. There we go. Good yeah. uh, Midwest answer there. Yeah. Um, of course, Juan Soto. Excuse me, Juan Soto. Uh, declining the 15-year, was it 300? Four, 440. 400, yeah, 440 million dollar yeah. offer from the Nationals, but uh, I don't uh, think Keston here. He also played more games in 2020. Keston did. Keston That's true. Did. So, uh, and uh, that might. That, that's about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but why? Like, why would another team want him? The Brewers have him in AAA right now, and he's got plenty of limitations. But there, are, I think, a couple reasons why he would go to another team. He's shown the, the ability that he can hit the ball hard. Uh, he's he's done that really every time he's been in the majors, even if he hasn't hit the ball enough. He's been hitting the ball hard when he has. His walk rate is up this year, which is an encouraging sign. With the universal DH, he also could perhaps attract NL teams as well. And he, he has actually, I mean, he made that catch in left field, so <laughs> maybe he can, be, he can play there. And one more thing I'll add, too, is I, I didn't really think about this, but you were mentioning this as well. If we do trade Hira, that means, you know, maybe a Tyler Black or a similar player uh, now is able to stay in the farm, which is already rather depleted Brewers in the bottom third of uh, all farm systems. So trading a guy like Keston, who's not really in the farm system at this point, does help avoid the Brewers continuing to thin that system out as they continue to uh, compete and get better midseason here in 2022. So we'll see um, whether Keston stays or goes, but I think there could be some value to the Brewers trading him if they went that route. Doesn't Keston just seem like an Oakland A, like his profile? Like, he's he's got his flaws. He's got things that are good about him. They kind of mix and match him. The post-hype prospect that the A's, like, take advantage of the low value on. Basically, Chris Davis. With the, well, uh, not quite. He wasn't a, a high-level prospect, but he no. was the big power bat with holes uh, his arm and left field, true. his defense. But I think that was kind of the player that you thought Chris Davis was going to be. Like, Keston, I feel like there's, like, that little untapped... Like, he's a major leaguer with untapped potential that I feel like the A's always get for, like, 75 cents on the dollar. Kind of an, an Adames-esque? Yeah, I guess maybe you could look at that. And, like, the change of scenery guy. Yeah. Like, that seems kind of like the, the A's. Like, that's just the A's prototype, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I mean, besides the A's, I'm not really sure exactly what team uh, would, would trade for Hira, because it's not likely that a contender really wants him, because he doesn't, again, he doesn't really have a, a a good fit, and I'm not sure that he's great bench to just stash on the bench either. Yeah, he. I could see him, like, maybe in Pittsburgh, or... Marlins? <laughs> I feel like he just joined uh, the rest of the old brewers that are over there. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know if Miami... I, I guess maybe because they need they need offense and they would want someone who's major league ready. Right. But I mean, yeah. So perhaps. Um, but but a team like that, I think a team that's like kind of closer to the end of a rebuild, maybe competitive next year, could give Keston just consistent playing time the rest of this year. Maybe work with some new coaches, new uh, kind of the change of scenery that could benefit Keston. Yeah. Brewers, of course, will also be looking for offense at the deadline. We've got our. Uh, mid-season grades here to go through. We've graded the Brewers' offense, 
the Brewers' defense, the Brewers' starting pitching, and their relief pitching, and then, of course, their overall grade at the middle of the season. So let's start off, David, on the offensive side of things. We talked about the Brewers, of course, need uh, for uh, additions to the offense. What was your grade for the Brewers' offense so far? I give the offense a C-plus overall. They they have had a number of hitters that have hit like pretty well. I mean, they have, I think, 10 or 11 guys that are above a 100 OPS-plus, so basically an average or better hitter. So that's definitely something that we wouldn't quite have expected to see. At the same time, they've had a lot a lot that has gone wrong. Yelich hasn't bounced back. Urias has not really performed well when he's been on the field. Adames is hitting like around 210. Kane was terrible at the plate. Wong hasn't really been himself, even on offense. So overall, I'd say there have been some really good aspects, like Brasso um, and Caratini, and, and I could list more, but... There have been some good aspects. There have been some bad aspects. They still aren't quite scoring enough runs. Um, you saw the Brewers getting runners in scoring position constantly throughout the Giants series. And then they'd get like one, two, three in the order and they'd all get out and not score. So that's been a pretty constant theme for the Brewers. I think I, I'd give them a C plus, kind of in the middle. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe around expectations. Yeah, I'd give them perhaps a, a B minus. Maybe that's a little bit too high of a grade. Uh, but I, like you said, 10 or 11 players above average. I think if you think about that, it's pretty solid um, when you look at an offense that has been lacking the star power. Christian Yelich has been disappointing once again. I don't know at what point you drop the conversation of whether he's going to return or not, but certainly that's been continued to be disappointing, and I was hoping for bigger things from him. And then Adames as well. That's also been a disappointing, especially second half. Um, started off the year after returning, uh, doing all right at the plate, but hasn't really found his groove at the plate. And, and we did expect some regression. But overall, it's been a little bit disappointing, I think, from the bigger contributors that we were expecting, but better than expected from, like you said, Mike Brasso. Jace Peterson has continued to have a great year, um, something that we kind of joked about in the offseason. Even Omar Narvaez, like you said, the catcher position as a whole has been quite solid still. Um, so there's a lot of things to be, I think, mildly content with offensively and it's also important to know the Brewers are not a World Series contender with the offense at this point so anyways let's move on to defense I'm not sure it's been uh, any rosier on the defensive uh, side but David what was your grade for the Brewers defense give them a D plus I said that very sternly like they've been terrible as a Tom Hodricourt-esque grade it was Hodricker would like find a grade lower than F for this defense. True. Imagine seeing the Colton Wong grade. Uh, Wong has Wong has been terrible defensively. I think that's pretty clearly the the worst part of the defense, at least compared to expectations. Was one of the best defenders in baseball for the last nine years, and kind of got like got the defensive yips. Like he's just made terrible throws. He seems kind of hesitant when he's fielding. Made a lot of errors so far. So. Wong has been the biggest the biggest thing that's gone wrong with the defense. Yelich still isn't very good. I mean, we've seen Keston in left field too. A guys playing out of position a little bit. Um, a lot of the a lot of the fielders are fine, but they're not good enough to make up for like the the struggles of Wong for Keston and Yelich sometimes playing out in left. Even Kutch playing in the outfield is not very good. There are a lot of weak spots in the defense, and so I I give him a D plus. Yeah, I give the Brewers defense a D. I don't think there's a lot of bright spots to share. Hunter Renfro has been um, solid. 
in the outfield. Jonathan Davis has been pretty solid. Tyrone Taylor, when he's in left or right field, another solid defender. And I think catcher position has been decent. But you take out that, and everything's been below average, I would say. Uh, so not a lot to like on the defensive side of things. And that's important for a guy like Adrian Hauser um, to have success. He's been a little bit of a letdown this year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine that the defense has helped that at all either. So if he wants to continue to have success, Brewers defense also needs to step up as well. So taking a look at the starting pitching, uh, Adrian Hauser hasn't had quite the year he had last year. Uh, my grade for the Brewers starting pitching is a B with a almost an incomplete when you think about the starting rotation that the Brewers were expecting to have. And we probably got spoiled a little bit last year with not very many injuries in the rotation, but Corbin Burns has been outstanding, uh, continued to have success um, that he had, of course, last year. Not much to say there. He's been great. Woodruff, a, a down year after last year's success, hoping that he can have a better bounce back second half. Uh, of course, he was on the injured list for some time as well. Eric Lauer has been very good, um, continued to, to build off of the year that he had last year. He's been solid. I already mentioned Adrian Hauser. And then several players, of course, that we didn't expect to necessarily see starts from. Um, Jason Alexander, even Chichi Gonzalez. Throw Aaron Ashby in there. Uh, Ashby probably who we did expect at some point to get some starts, but he hasn't exactly been impressive either. Um, so, again, I, I'd give him a B, but I almost, like I said, I almost feel like it's an incomplete grade. If I uh, really gave them a grade based off of their results, it would probably be lower than a B. But if you look at what my expectations were, going to be if I knew Chichi Gonzalez was going to make several starts in the first half of this year, maybe a B is actually an accurate grade. I likewise would give him a B, and kind of echoing the things that you've said, the injuries have, have really put a damper on what the rotation really is capable of doing. One positive is Freddie Peralta's actually progressing faster than anticipated, could be back in August at some point. He's been the, really the main guy missing from the rotation. Woodruff had his bout with the ankle injury and then the Raynaud syndrome that he has. And really, Corbin Burns has held the rotation together. He's been the only consistent one, and it's kind of what you expect out of a, a reigning Cy Young Award winner. Eric Lauer's been overall better than last year, I would say, and he's also pitching more often. But Hauser's been a little disappointing. Ashby hasn't really been that good, and I don't know if long-term Ashby is a starter or not. But Chi-Chi Gonzalez having to make a couple starts. Jason Alexander's been okay, but Chi-Chi Gonzalez having to make a few starts just really is, I, like, bad. I, I don't really know what the word is for it. Who would you have rather seen the Brewers put in out there as opposed to Chi-Chi Gonzalez? Was there a guy, whether in AAA or elsewhere, that you would have been happy with the Brewers giving a chance to start? Braden Looper? Out of retirement? Matt Garza might have. I mean, he could come in and allow some home runs too. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, for sure, don't don't have Chichi start with Garza in the bullpen because Matt Matt Garza is not a reliever. He does not pitch in the bullpen. That's right. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure like who exactly the options are, but I just don't really get why they claimed this 30 year old pitcher off waivers. Um, he is like. He has like a career seven ERA, and I, I don't know. There's just like no upside. I guess maybe Caleb Bushley, the pride of UW Lacrosse, yes. Dylan File, although they just outrighted him like not that long ago off the 40 man roster. Lynn Bloom, actually. Lynn Bloom would have been my preference. If you're going to add someone to the 40 man, add Lynn Bloom. I know he wasn't that great when he was with the team, and I think most Brewer fans would be surprised 
to know that he's even in AAA in the organization still. Um, but I would have preferred him or Ethan Small. I think Small made way more sense than starting Chi-Chi Gonzalez. Like, what is, what is a Chi-Chi? <laughs> yes, got to love the Caleb Bushley UW lacrosse legend. Uh, he left just a few years before uh, my time at lacrosse. So I'd love to see the Brewers give him a chance. He's had success in AAA. Probably not a uh, high leverage reliever or starting pitcher in the major leagues. But who knows? We'll see if he's able to get some starts with the Brewers. And then, like you said, I think Josh Lindblom, I certainly would have forgotten about him in AAA as well. I would have liked that option. And then, like you said, Ethan Small, give the young guy a chance. Um, we saw the Brewers do that with Aaron Ashby last year, um, even if it is a rough outing. I'd much rather see a rough outing from Ethan Small than Chichi Gonzalez because Small can learn from that. Uh, he can continue to get better, get him some experience on a, a team that's solid, and he not uh, will not normally get the opportunity to do that. Or try to piggyback, like... Maybe try to piggyback small off of, I mean, maybe not Chichi Gonzalez, but like start small and bring in, like try to get like a multi-inning reliever or send down like one of the random relievers we have up right now and bring up like a multi-inning reliever like Lynn Bloom or something. Do, do, do something like interesting with that spot because like you have like with rebuilding teams they talk about like the currency you have of major league playing time to develop um, like minor leaguers coming up to the majors and the brewers don't have that because they're trying to win but also like if you're just going to give innings to a guy that has a seven era in his major league career over like 250 innings like why not at least try giving it to somebody that could develop could learn from it more maybe as a, a future with the organization like ethan small or presents even, I think, would be a better option, like Josh Lindblom, I think could give you more quality, or better quality innings than Chi-Chi Gonzalez. Or if nothing else, you piggyback Hobie Harris and Hobie Milner. That that would be a natural option. Oh, well. that would be tremendous. So we'll we'll end the uh, starting pitching debate on, on the Hobies and move on to the bullpen, which has had its uh, ups and downs. Uh, I gave the Brewers bullpen a B-. David, I know you actually gave them a worse grade. What was your grade for the bullpen? I gave them a C. Devin Williams been great, obviously. Brad Boxberger and I, the, I mean, those have been the two. Uh, Hobie Milner. Those have been yes. like the the bright spots for them so far. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the Brewers bullpen, Williams has been an All Star reliever, um, no question about that. Really, one of the best, one of the best for sure. Non closers, if you want to um, go that route. Um, Brad Boxberger. I was not expecting him to continue to have success and uh, like he did last year, and he's continued to pitch great for the Brewers, like you said. Hobie Milner has been probably the most unsung or biggest surprise. Well, certainly biggest surprise, but I'd almost give him kind of the unsung hero. He's been a guy the Brewers have been able to plug in sub two ERA this year and leads the team, I believe, either in innings. I think it's in innings, innings or appearances, one or the other. Um, so he's been he's been very good. And I don't want to undermine Josh Hader. I mean, he was the best reliever in baseball, uh, I think, until this stretch. So yes, the stretch has been rough. But he was a lights-out closer for the majority of the first half of the season, which still provides a lot of value for the Brewers' bullpen. So outside of Williams, Boxberger, Hayter, and Milner, um, you've got guys like Trevor Gott, who's been, I would say, for expectations, pretty good. Hasn't been great, but I didn't have high expectations for him, so I've been pretty happy with what he's been able to do, uh, eat up some innings for the Brewers. But after Gott, you've got you know, Yandel Gustave, Miguel Sanchez, Brent Suter. Uh, I think he's been one of the bigger disappointments on the Brewers roster this year 
what can you say about the Brewers' bottom half of the bullpen? Like I said, guys like Gustave, Sanchez, Suter, um, and other arms as well. Suter has not been great. And, I mean, I, I generally have a positive outlook on Brent Suter because I like him. I have like a – I mean, he's, he's been with the Brewers for a while. He's been pretty effective despite his low velocity and seemingly underwhelming stuff. Uh, Gustave – actually, I, I don't mind Gustave as much as I used to, um, which that side random side tangent, that balk call was just atrocious. Like, he moved his head and – I, I, I'm i not going to get into it, but it was terrible. Anyways, um, Gustave, I mean, like, he's fine, but he shouldn't be pitching in a tie game in the eighth inning against the Giants. Um, and while, while there have been a few good relievers that I'd mentioned before, and Hader, Hader was great until his recent stretch. Like, yes, that is important to note, but also, like, he's clearly cost them two games in a row. And there have been a couple games where he's like, I don't know if I'd say he cost them because he allowed a run in a tie game. Like, it's hard to just say that he cost them the game. But, like, he's done that for, like, four of his last seven or eight outings. Plus, he blew the Philadelphia game. So, I feel like it's kind of misleading a little bit to just be like, well, yeah, he's having a rough stretch. Okay. Like, it's been pretty bad. That So, that combined with some of the 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 middle relief that's just not very reliable i give it a c um i mean it's hard to expect good results out of some of the guys but um I, it's clear that they need to add yeah no question about it there needs to be some additions and more than one as well because if you think about a playoff series and let's just assume josh Hader returns to at least similar form where he is one of the game's best closer great you've got Boxberger, Williams and Hader to go 7th, 8th and ninth, but they can't do that every single game and so you've got to have in my opinion the Brewers need at least two arms that are consistent that you can rely on um, in addition to those guys because you're not going to be able to throw Boxberger, Williams and Hader every every game of this, in a series so you, I, I really think you need at least two solid arms You don't, they don't need to be Devin Williams quality but maybe a, a notch below Brad Boxberger. I don't know who that exactly is, but there's always guys that are available. Daniel Norris. I know that's not Daniel Norris. Maybe more Drew Pomeranz. Uh, that would be surely a nice addition to the Brewers roster this year, but Brewers certainly need to go after the bullpen uh, at the, before the deadline. So certainly Brewers have some holes. There's some things to be happy about. Uh, overall consistency on the offensive side. And of course, Corbin Burns continued success. Uh, similarly, Hobie Milner as well. So some bright spots in a first half that I feel like Brewer fans are maybe a, a little bit more down than they should be. We're sitting in first place in the NL Central at the All-Star break. Um, you know, I didn't look at the the, the Brewers uh, record, but somewhere around eight games above 500, if I'm not mistaken, um, in that ballpark. So there's a lot to be thankful for uh, as we approach middle of July. David, what is your overall grade for the Brewers? Overall, I give them a, a C plus. Like, the expectation was that they'd probably win the division. So I, I'd say, I don't know, what what is like meet expectation B? B minus, C? I mean, kind of plus. C, I guess, if you think about it. I guess C, I, don't know. C would, I would say C meets expectations. C plus maybe slightly exceeds them. That's why I gave the Brewers overall a C grade for midseason because, like you said, the Brewers were expected to win the division. I would say at the end of the year, the Brewers are expected to uh, be, again, atop the NL Central uh, probably win, I don't know, around 90 games. And the Brewers are certainly on track for that. Um, so 
I would say, given that the Brewers have sort of meet, met expectations uh, in the standings, the way they've done it, I'm not sure that they have met the expectations, if that makes any sense. They've kind of limped there. And one thing to note also is, at least as of like a week ago, the Brewers had played the most road games of any team. So that could help them. I mean, they've, they've actually been better on the road than they have been at home. And I think last year was that way too. Uh, I don't I don't know if there's any, like, I don't know that you can draw big sample size um, conclusions from that. But I think that there's, they definitely have at least positioned themselves in a spot where they can go on a run and, and make the playoffs. And the Cardinals haven't run away with the division. They're kind of letting the Brewers have it right now. Uh, and they're like, they're like two and eight in their last 10 or something. So because of the division that we're in, we can get away with it. We're not in the AL East. We're not in even the NL East or the NL West. So I think that, that overall, given all the things that have happened, given injuries throughout the year or COVID IL stints to Narvaez and Wong and Willie and Rios, Renfro, Kane really being completely ineffective, Yelich not bouncing back, Peralta being out for almost the whole year, Woodruff missing almost half the first half of the first half. I think they're in an okay spot given all that. I agree. I, I think they are in an okay spot. Uh, Brewers fifth in the National League in record. They would actually find themselves third in both the NL West and NL East, so kind of interesting. Dodgers, Padres, Mets, and Braves all uh, not in any particular order there ahead of the Brewers so far. But like you said, Brewers half game up over the Cardinals uh, as they enter the All-Star break. Uh, seven games above 500, so quick correction there. Brewers sitting at 50 and 43. So again, our overall grades for the Brewers midseason C and C plus for a Brewers just okay first half as they like you said they limp into the break so David let's circle back to our trivia question of the day in lieu of the uh, or in honor of the draft going on tonight can you name the last Brewers first round pick to accumulate 10 or more wins with the franchise the Brewers haven't had a lot of like first round picks that were pitchers lately so and of course not Ethan Small uh, Cody Medeiros I think was the the previous one he never made it to the majors I'm going with taylor youngman that is an excellent guess and it is incorrect really taylor youngman finished with nine <laughs> i thought maybe that because it was what a half season that he was like a starter for yeah the i think he had, and he was good he had maybe six time. or seven wins in one season um he had definitely had some success in that from that what was it 2016 or really 2015 actually um nine wins coming in 2015 oh 2016 and, 20, and 17 he, yeah nine games and and no wins from oh. youngman so if you look back actually i should probably share the the, the winner but I'll, I'll go backwards in time here and, and re reveal the answer here like you said ethan small uh, has not accumulated 10 wins obviously at the major league level nathan kirby actually the brewers uh, first round pick in 2015 if you count that uh, as their first round pick, I know that was a competitive. Did did, the, did he get ten wins for the Brewers? He did not. Oh. Uh, in case you were wondering, he did not. Although he is in AAA um, now, I believe, uh, outside of the Brewers organization. But um, Nathan Kirby, then in 2014, Cody Medeiros, 2011, Jed Bradley and Taylor Youngman, 2010, of course, Dylan Covey, who the Brewers did not sign, Kyle Heckathorn and Eric Arnett in 09, Evan Fredrickson and Jake Odorizzi, 08. Odorizzi actually did have a pretty good career, but not with the Brewers. And then we get back to 2006, Jeremy Jeffress, who took some time to get 10 wins with the Brewers, but did so, of course, in his time as a Brewers reliever over the last six or so years. Jeremy Jeffress, the last first-round pick for the Brewers to have 10 or more wins. A bit sad 
uh, that it, it took all the way back to 06. And then I went back further and realized that after Jeffress, it would be Ben Sheets, and and then next would be Jeff D'Amico in 1993. Nice. So the last three Brewers first-round pick pitchers to accumulate 10 or more wins would be Jeremy Jeffress, Ben Sheets, and then dating back all the way to 1993 in Jeff D'Amico. I won't go back farther than that, but Brewers haven't had a ton of success drafting pitchers. We were mentioning the Brewers have had a fair amount of success in the first-round pick. Of course, Robin Yount and Paul Molitor, two Hall of Famers in their rather short, I guess, franchise history. And then also guys like Dan Plezak, Gary Sheffield, even more recently Prince Fielder, Ricky Weeks, and Ryan Braun. So Brewers have been okay at drafting in the first round, but pitchers, not exactly so much. Yeah, and recent years they haven't had a whole lot of success with first rounders either, but it's been more like the second, third, fourth, fifth round picks that they've had more success with. Um, Plug for that YouTube video that I made. I I promise I'll make some more at least. Um, so I don't just keep talking about it, but kind of the, the pitchers that they had success with in those middle rounds, like Burns and Woodruff, um, and not the first rounders like Corey Ray or, um, or even Grisham, who was, has now been good at the major league level, but took a while to get there and really not with the Brewers. So David, we've covered a lot today from Keston here as potential, uh, trade piece, um, to Josh Hader's rough stretch and the Brewers midseason grades. What is the stat of the day before we go? The stat of the day is the Brewers position player first round picks. Um, we were talking about how they've not been successful. Since they drafted Ryan Braun in 2005 with their first round pick, Brewers position players have accumulated just 1.9 war among their first round picks with the Brewers. So there have been a couple guys who have who have been moderate successes with other teams, Mitch Hanniger, Trent Grisham. Um, but with the Brewers, it's just been, um, I think Keston has had, he had has 1.3 with the Brewers. Grisham had 0.6 when he was a member of the Brewers. And that's it um, as far as with the Brewers uh, since Ryan Braun back in 2005. Yeah, really showing the, I guess, lack of success the Brewers have had in the first round, really dating back over 15 years. So interesting to note. We'll see if Eric Brown Jr. can buck the trend for the Brewers. Uh, Brewers will have, of course, the All-Star break coming up. Definitely tune into the Home Run Derby, not Brewers-related, but of course we'll be seeing Albert Pujols um, swinging off in that one. It should be a fun one. Pete Alonso there as well, Acuna, um, and Julio Rodriguez. Plus, it's in L.A. It's a fun ballpark to watch the Home Run Derby. I heard that uh, Sean Markham's throwing to Pujols, but they're going to have him actually pitch, try to get him out. Uh, to see how many home runs he can allow. Uh, is Prince Fielder going to select Ricky Weeks in, in his first pick as well? He might. He might. <laughs> that was such a like uh, Sandlot, like, uh-huh. I'm going to pick my brother t- yeah. type of, uh, type of uh, thing when that happened, but whatever. I won't go down that, that rabbit hole. But uh, Home Run Derby coming up on Monday the 18th, of course, the All-Star Game occurring on the 19th, so tune into that one. Devin Williams likely making an appearance in that one. And then the Brewers resume play on Friday uh, with a three-game series against Colorado. As always, we will have you covered. And next week, we'll be talking through the Brewers' potential relief targets. We talked about the obvious glaring need that the Brewers will have for that. We'll have some concrete answers as to who the Brewers could hope for, look for, and to expect at the deadline as we approach. Again, as always, this is Peter Go signing off. Go Brewers! Thank you for listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review our show on whichever platform you're listening on. If you enjoyed it, consider supporting us through the link down below.
See you next time.